Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, how to do succession planning. Chapter four, the delivery meeting. Here we go. Well, we've talked about succession planning in the past and people think it's, you know, it's, it's not complex, but there are steps to good mm-hmm. succession planning. And one of the things you need to do is Brief your team, <laughs> like actually communicate Brief to folks. What you're doing <laughs> and why you're doing it and how it works. Yeah, pretty simple. And this is a super easy task because it's a, it's about the briefing that you'll give your team. Managers often ask, what do I tell my team? This is what you tell them. We've got six steps. First of all, you've got to have one briefer. If you've got an organization, if you're a VP and you've got directors and they have managers, you don't let everybody brief their own team. That's a bad idea because you'll have managers who aren't into the system and they'll mess it up. We recommend a 45-minute agenda. It's very tight. Um, you spend five minutes on welcome. You do a 10-minute process overview about the form we recommend. It's a very simple form we've shared with it before and how you're going to review the data you get back and then talk about uh, development that might come out of the process. Then you're going to spend 15 minutes going over the form, giving them definitions of ready now and ready next. And then you're going to give 15 minutes for open Q&A. That's it. That's it. Simple. Yeah, pretty yeah. straightforward. If there are 200 people in your organization, you do it five or six times, you get really, really good at it. Okay, let's talk about the idea of, of only one briefer, because I think a lot of managers, even myself, I think, well, you know, I want to get, I want to brief my directs and let them brief their directs and let them no. brief their directs. No. So they all get ownership and understanding and, nope. and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and your experience is that doesn't work terribly it doesn't, well. It, it absolutely does not work. The idea is the manager knows his or her team well, but that implies that every manager gets what they're briefing. And of course, if you're going to have, if you have one VP and you have five directors and you have 20 managers reporting to those five directors, that's 26 different briefings, 26 different levels of quality. It's always a bad idea to have different briefers briefing on the same topic unless the topic requires some notable customization depending upon the group being briefed. If you're, if you're briefing on compensation and you're talking to a trading floor on Wall Street or you're talking to a back office, that's a very different conversation. I could see you having different briefers for that. But a standardized organizational process, it's the same for everyone. And it better be if we're talking about succession planning for the organization. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the problem here is that some managers are terrible briefers, okay? The idea of having 26 different briefings. And the fact is, the, the worst briefers are going to be the ones who don't like the idea of succession planning mm-hmm. for whatever stupid reason they might have. Some managers are terrible briefers. Some managers don't believe in the topic that they're briefing after saying, oh, sure, I'll do that. No problem. Because they want to be able to tell their team they're not really secretly behind this idea, which is grossly unprofessional, but that's what they want to do. Um, and if they're not behind it, what that makes them is a terrible briefer. If you allow a manager to brief her team and she's not ready to do it well, as well as you would anyway, if you're the VP, say, you're going to get her folks feeling judged or misevaluated and you'll get crap data from her. And that will affect your ability to assess the entire organization. You're going to have to go back and say, I didn't get good stuff from you. And I got to tell you, if you let a manager a couple of levels down who's not very good give a briefing and you get crap data and you have to go back and give the briefing yourself, how do you think that makes that manager look to their team, to her team, that you're going to give the briefing again, right? Right. Yeah, that's not, yeah, that's good. not good. So, so it's far better for you to give the briefing. It sends a message about how important this is for the organization. And, and by the way, you could obviously, if you're, if you're a single manager right now, folks, and you want to do this for your team, obviously you're the one that has to brief it, but don't brief it unless you believe in it. Um, because if it comes across like you're really just doing this, uh, and you don't really believe in it, then it's going to come across as wasteful and, and that's not effective. Yeah, so who, who do you brief? I mean, if you have an organization, say 150 people or so, 
Do you just brief the managers? No, or? you got to brief everybody. You brief everybody. Yeah. The, the because if you think brief. about it, the man, if you've got a direct, if you've got some directors and then some managers, if you're briefing the directors and the managers about their teams, the managers who are sitting there are also being briefed. They're also thinking about it as a direct of the director. It's better for people to know what's being done. Mm. It's better. Now, look, if you have 10,000 people. It's like secret thing. Yeah, no, secret, yeah. Secret list. Yeah. In fact, there are so many things that are secret relative to layoffs and promotions and so on. Being candid, being open, being transparent about a part of that, which succession planning and how that affects talent management and so on is way better. Mm. Let's not keep this in secret. Yeah. And by the way, if it's you, if you're the VP, you do the briefing or whoever does the briefing. You brief, you get ready, you use the agenda and you prepare and you practice and you rehearse. Uh, you know, a client recently asked me to do something custom and it took me a couple of months to get ready because I had to prepare and rehearse and be ready for it. Like, really, you rehearse? Yeah. Yeah. That's why we're good in front of audiences because we rehearse. And everybody seems to think they can get away without rehearsing. Yeah, you can. It, you just stink when you present. Yeah. Well, you mentioned an agenda and this is it's kind of interesting because I think a lot of managers, even executives, they make a mistake. They think they're doing a briefing. They're the only. They're doing the briefing. They're the only person briefing. They don't have to, right. you know, go between various presenters. They're the single presenter, and so somehow they believe that they don't need an agenda. Right. Meetings often have agendas, but briefings somehow it's just one topic, one presenter. No, it's wrong. It's it's. Uh, they help you stay on track. You get to look at the time and go, where am I supposed to be and where am I? They keep. Questioners from getting everybody off track by saying, hey, look, I'm sorry, but we're done with that session. We've got some time at the end. Let's hold that right. qu- that particular question. Since we're out of time on this topic, we got to move right. on. Let's hold that till well, the end. As people in the audience will with- withhold their question until the appropriate time if they know you're going to talk about yeah, that topic exactly. in the future. Right? Exactly. Yeah, it sends the right message about this is what we're talking about. Yep. Let's focus here. And frankly, most agendas, in my experience, cause people to finish the meeting early. Now, look, you could probably finish this meeting that we're recommended in 30 minutes, if you wanted to, you could tighten it up a little bit more, but we don't recommend it because it takes me 45 minutes. And I've done this briefing probably 50 times in my life. Further, I think leaving time for questions at the end, and we'll talk about this again, sends a message about confidence. Mm -hmm. So don't try to get it done too fast and have people feel like you're just rushing through it. Cramming it down their throat. Exactly. Exactly. Good. Now, we often recommend for, for presentations, for meetings, et cetera, that there's there's a welcome at the beginning of it. And this is no different, right? Yeah, dude. A five-minute welcome. Dude, every agenda I do, the first thing I do is put 8, 8.30, 9 o'clock, 10, 10.30, 2 o'clock. Welcome purpose. I, I just do it every time. Yeah. And it gives you a chance to say hello. You, I always have it on the agenda. It gives you a chance to say hello. Perhaps you mentioned something that happened in the morning that was important. To, you make a joke or whatever. It allows people to come in. If they're 30 seconds late, you're not jumping right into the topic in five seconds. It's almost like you and I have talked about how good design doorways are not stark. There's some sort of foyer. There's some sort yeah. of welcoming area. It's the same way with it's an, not, with it's a not the street and then yeah. the door and the, then the living room. Exactly. Right? <laughs> right. There's some sort of transition period. And that's what the welcome yeah. purpose welcome yeah. is. And maybe you want to talk for a minute or two about the rationale for succession planning. And if that's the case, then here are some words you can use. And of course, those of you who are licensees, um, you don't have to pay attention to this because the, the show notes have these very words in them. But it might sound like this. Hey, guys, look, it maybe it sounds trite. This, this meeting's about succession planning. I know it sounds trite, but people are the most important part of this organization. And by the way, if you're a good manager, folks, they should know that you, know, you believe that and you don't just say that. But it's funny. We say people are most important. And then we spend all kinds of time planning budgets 
and planning products and working on vendors and working on contracts and we work on strategies, but we don't think enough in terms of planning around the people who are going to be doing those things uh, in the short term and in the long term future. And frankly, me and the rest of the organization need to be thinking about what skills we have now and what skills we're going to need in the future. And skills always come attached to a person. And if we don't invent the future ourselves in terms of the talent we have and the talent we need, then the future will just happen to us. And that's not a good thing. That's what you might say. And, and look, the real reason for a five-minute welcome agenda item is that you're only going to take one to two minutes of it. And then you get three to four yeah. minutes, you're ahead of schedule. Right. And, and that's a good thing to that start your good. meeting and have a schedule. Sure yeah, does. absolutely. Rather than saying we're going to start right with the first topic and then have somebody say, I have a question about what happened this morning. You don't want to cut them off. And suddenly now you're five minutes behind rather than be three to four minutes ahead. Right. Yeah. Good. OK, so we're, we've done a five minute welcome. That's only going to take a couple of minutes. Probably we're ahead mm-hmm. of schedule. And now we're going to get to the next the, the, the kind of the core of the meeting. And the first part of it is a 10 minute process overview, right? The, the form, the review, yeah. development. Yeah. Here you just basically tell everyone what's going to happen in the form of a timeline. OK, first, you'll tell them that you or in the case of a bigger organization, your managers are going to fill out a simple one page form for their entire team, not one page per person. One page for the entire team. If some manager has 10 to 20 directs, of course, it may be that you can't fit it all on one page. Okay. Tell them you can fill out this form by hand if you like, if that makes it easier. People seem to think that we need to put it in a spreadsheet. We need to be able to search for certain words and so on. That's crap. You don't need that. You can do it all by hand. Great organizations in the history of mankind have been using pencil and paper. It works just fine. Now, look, if it's part of a larger system, HR or talent management or organizational development is going to want you to put it into a 17-page form and everything else, fine. That won't improve the quality of the data that you get out of the process that you put people through, right? right. So yeah, I first, love- The first step is to get people to actually execute think, on the process. To actually think about <laughs> yeah. the people that they have working for them and yeah. who's good and who's struggling and, and what we can do about it. And it, what's so funny about it is why does typing improve the quality? It doesn't. It just doesn't. And if you send a message, you can handwrite this thing. It says it sends a message to people. I know what's important is the quality of the thought. And if it makes it easier for you, I want to lower the barrier to getting you involved in this process, right? Let's make it administratively non-burdensome, okay? Now, look, the form basically says who's ready now for other opportunities, who might be ready, what we call ready next in, in the near term for a different opportunity. And then also, of course, who may not be ready for other opportunities in the organization. Tell them at that point, at this point, that you're, you, you'll talk more about the ideas in the form in a minute. Okay. Don't get into a debate about the concepts in the form or the form itself when you're giving a process overview. Just say, look, we're going to use a form. I'll tell you more about the form in a minute. But the form basically says who's ready now, who's ready next, and who's not ready. You get questions, just brush them off for now. Exactly. Get to them later. And look, point to your agenda. It's good to, I love having agendas posted rather than showing a slide, right? And then, and then the, having to go back to the agenda and say, see, here's slide number one. And it says we're supposed to be moving on. Don't do that. Have it written on a flip chart somewhere stuck to the wall. And, you know, there's going to be 15 minutes on the agenda where we're going to talk about the form, okay? You're going to tell people, hey, I want you to fill this out within five days, okay? Don't give them any longer, guys. If you do, they'll put off the work. The short deadline sends a message that there's not a lot of work there. If you say, I'm going to give you two weeks, people think, oh, there's two weeks worth of work there. And frankly, they won't do it in the first week. They'll do it in the second week. 
okay? We're not asking for long paragraphs on each direct. We're asking for a couple of bullet points, as you'll see from the example, some high-level stuff, just to give us a sense of why that direct is in the category they're in. I'm just going to say it again, guys. Don't allow some manager more time. An extra week, for instance. They're either delaying or they're giving you way more information than you need, or they're overthinking it in a way that's probably not helpful. Because the form is not the only thing that's going to happen. The form is going to cause a conversation between manager and director, or manager and director, or director and VP about where people are, and it's going to be a discussion. If, you, if you're a VP, it's going to be a discussion between you, your directors, and your managers about who we're going to promote and why we're going to promote them and what opportunities they're ready for. The form is not going to dictate what's right. actually going to That's happen. Right. It's a starting point for a longer conversation. And then the third part of the process, after they, everybody fills out the form and they get it back to you by the deadline, you're going to sit down with all the input. Now, look, if there are mu multiple managers involved, you're going to make sure you generally agree with it. If it's just you, obviously, you've just filled out the form. You, hopefully, you agree, hopefully you agree with yourself. You're basically going to look at the talent map of the entire group and see where you might be strong or weak for the near term and the long term. Now, look, in a future succession planning cast, we'll discuss ways to think about where your talent is now and where your talent is in the future. We can't really do that in this cast. But for a single manager, the question boils down to, is anyone ready? Who isn't ready? Who should be ready, perhaps? And what actions do I need to take to improve the utility of these folks for the organization? That's all. And the last step in this process we're talking about addresses that last question. What do I need to do to improve these folks, the folks who work for me, uh, their abilities and their value to the firm? Okay. It may be training. could be coaching. It might be nothing. They might be ready now. But you ought to know that. And there ought to be a discussion with your boss about it if, in fact, your boss is involved. And we ought to be able to tell our boss what we think and what we feel and what we see about our people and about their futures. So not rocket science. And then that goes right into the form, okay? You want to spend 15 minutes talking about the form, about the definitions in the example. And we've talked about this before in our cast where we um, talked about ready now and ready next. I think it was chapter one of succession planning. But basically, for those of you who didn't listen to that cast, ready now means that somebody is ready today to get promoted into a larger role or move into a different role that would develop or broaden them. They don't have to be ready for your role. That's a common mistake, the idea that everybody has to be promoted into their boss's job. Uh, there could be any number of roles they might be right for, uh, and we recommend you list them. Again, we'll explain why and how later. Ready now doesn't mean that they're ready to be immediately highly effective once they get promoted. It means they're ready to handle the next job at a competent level. And the fact is, folks, most of us are terrible at remembering, if we've been in a job for a couple of years, how over our heads we were when we first took on that job. You know, we want a promotee to be stressed. We expect them to be a little bit over their head. Now, if you've delegated effectively, then your directs will do well when they get promoted. But a lot of managers haven't. And what we don't want to do is say, he can't do the job as well as I'm doing it now, so therefore he's not ready for promotion. Because none of us did our job as well as we're doing it now when we first started. Right. Yeah, we were exactly. stinky, frankly, most of us. Ready now may mean that they're also ready for a different role. It may be at the same level as what they are now, but it's, but it's considered more important in some way. Maybe it wouldn't be seen as a promotion. But the questions in succession planning aren't necessarily just about vertical growth. They're about helping a person 
develop certain skills and develop certain knowledge about the organization. And it helps the organization fill positions with more than just a person who reports to the person in that position. Mm. It gives us a lot more flexibility. Certainly career paths today are not completely vertical and linear the way they used to be 30, 40, 50 years ago. Now, ready next, what you'll tell your folks is that that is somebody who isn't ready right away for a new role, either because they don't have the skills for that role or they haven't sufficiently mastered the skills of the role they're in now, but they have both the capability at some point and a path could be crafted to get them there. And frankly, many managers forget that you have to craft a path for them. You have to help them close the gap between where they are and where they need to be. And too many managers aren't willing to do that work. And if you're wondering how you do that work, that would be the manager tools coaching model, folks. (laughs) If someone's a good performer, it's entirely possible they're ready next the moment they step into a new role. That means that if yesterday I was a software developer and today I became a software development manager, I could be today ready next to be a software development director. I think that's a stretch, but it could be in your organization that somebody could spend 18 months or two years as a software manager and they could be potentially ready. I'm not saying that should always be the case. It might be that it takes a year for somebody in a role to say, you know, he's starting to be ready next if we do the right things with him or her to get uh, him or her ready for the next level. And then, of course, the last phase is not ready. That means there's no desire or there's no ability to go to the next level, or perhaps there's no clear understanding of the gap between where they are and where they need to be for one of our directs. And look, tell you the truth, some organizations don't use not ready. They simply say, you're not ready now, you're not ready next, so therefore, you're left off the chart, so therefore, you're, right. not, you're, you're not ready. I find that a little bit misleading, the idea that, oh, we're, you're not on there. And people start looking and, you know, did I pass or did I not? Right. If you don't use not ready and people don't see themselves in the ready now, ready next list, they're going to think that's worse than you mm. actually saying you're not ready because when they're not ready, you're going to tell them why they're not ready. Look, somebody could be sick. A spouse could be sick. You're not going to promote a guy if his, if, if his wife is going through chemotherapy. You're not. So he's not ready. He might have been ready now, last week, and now his wife is sick or he's sick. And so therefore, he immediately goes to not ready. That could happen. Look, if you work for me and I think now's not the time for you to be doing that, I'm going to put you in not ready. And I'm going to have my boss know Why? this guy's awesome. And you don't promote a guy who's going through chemotherapy or, or his kid is going through chemotherapy or radiation therapy. Something like that. It happens. One more thing. If your firm uses some other system, obviously ready now, ready next may not be the way to go. But if your firm's not, if you don't know what your firm's doing, then this is a simple way to talk about it at a small level. Right. Okay. And it's easy to translate it at some point in the yeah. time, should they? Should you find out what it is? Yeah. Now, look, sometimes not ready means someone has no interest. That's okay for a time, usually. Um, sometimes it means a lack of skills. Sometimes it's a combination of that. I often tell people that people who say I'm good where I am, I say, well, you won't be in a couple of years because you're saying you don't want to grow. But the fact is that job you're in is growing. It is changing. And if you stay flat, the job will outpace you. I'm not going to tolerate you staying where you are for the Mm -hmm. next couple of years. I may not require you to be promoted. I may not say it's up or out, which is not unusual in some organizations. You're a software developer. You may not have to be a software development manager, right. but you better be a better software developer. Yeah. And, and if you say to me, I don't want to be coached, I don't want to be developed, I will say to you, candidly, I love you, and in two years, you won't work here. Right. Because your job is going to change, and I'm going to expect you to change with it. And the nature of all jobs, these people who have been in jobs for 10 years and say, I like my job the way it is, your job has never been exactly the way it is for 10 years. 
Right. If it is, then our company's getting hammered in some fashion because we're using old skills and old techniques in order to get stuff done. We ought to be modernizing. Just to be clear, is, so that, is it possible that you could have a great performer, say software developer, who's growing, who's getting better, learning new skills, learning new languages, right. learning new technology, doing all the things you expect, has no interest in being a manager. Right. And maybe maybe no, maybe they're a great software developer and they're, they would not be a good manager. That, right. That happens <laughs> a bit, right? Wait, wait, so, wait. Are we talking about software developers not being good managers? Really? Well, I know. How would it's, that? It's, it's just stretch yourself. Stretch, uh, okay, okay. Stretch I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. Your okay, go ahead. And so this person is not ready. Right. And a great performer. Right. And could be with the company a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. So not no ready is not a failing score. Right, right it's exactly. Not failing. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, I will tell you that I generally have a feeling that somebody who's good who is staying as a software developer. I think they just probably haven't had a boss who said, there are better things you can do for this mm. organization. The manager's job is to figure out how to get every ounce of talent, every ounce of performance and productivity out of people. And a person who stays in the job for 15 years, I know there's some of you will assume you hate mail for this. That's fine. Go ahead. I'll be nice in, in response. But I don't believe that somebody should be allowed to stay in the exact same job for 15 years because I think managers and directs and employees and individual contributors get calcified. That said, that it could happen, and I'm okay with that, but there's a part of me that goes, we need to get you, you know, you're knowledgeable at the firm. Maybe it's you stay in this role, but I'm going to have you 30% of the time working on this other big project, yeah. or I'm going to have you on a special committee that the chairman or the president or the right. VP has. So it may be horizontal. It may be horizontal, not yeah, exactly. vertical. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you're going to find some job in this firm that you're going to suddenly say, you know, boss, I actually think I could do some good stuff over mm. there. And I'd be like, cha-ching, I expose you to that. You saw the value. You're going to be more productive for the firm. You, now, now, there are some people who say, oh, it'll be learning something new and it'll be uncomfortable. I don't care. My job is not to make you comfortable. My job is to make you uncomfortable as long as uncomfortable makes you more productive. My job is not to keep you happy. That's your job. You have to be happy. I'm not responsible for your emotional state. I'm responsible for your productivity. Now, look, I'm not going to make people miserable, but if you're comfortable and you're working for me, you're going to be uncomfortable at some point because I, the moment you're comfortable is when the job is growing and you're not. And it's, it takes all kinds. There are all kinds of different people. There are some people who were born to be software, de software developers, and I love those people, and I want them to be better. But 15 years in the same job? and topped out perhaps in salary and a growing family, he or she probably mm -hmm. wants some more opportunity, but yeah. may not be comfortable with it. And I've got to expose them to things that maybe from the sake of the organization, the organization says, Bob used to do X. Now he does X times 1.1. Better for the firm. There you go. Right? So, so it's, it's dynamic. It depends on the individual. And, and this is an, the succession planning is an oversimplification, but it gets the conversation started. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, you sound like a manager I might like to work for. Yeah, I mean, it could be. That'd be fine. You sound like you, you know, want to make me CEO? Seems like you know. No, no. Oh, that's my I job. Sorry. Okay. You don't, yeah, you don't okay. get that. But fine. Sounds Whatever. like you're probably a pretty good manager, though. I mean, I'm, I might be someday. <laughs> you must be listening to the podcast. Yeah, I'm setting my goals. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've been listening for years. <laughs> okay. This briefing is no different than any other meeting or any other briefing, right? Leaving time at the end for questions is always a good idea. Yeah. Um, I, I got to tell you that the questions at the end thing is funny. I didn't realize that when I told people, always leave time for questions at the end. And of course, we do that with parking lot, right? right? I didn't realize that some people mistakenly heard that as, you don't take questions during. Oh, yeah. And I, I coached some guy. I told the guy, well, this is the agenda. He says, I don't know what to do. I said, well, here's your agenda. He's like, how do you do that? I said, well, I've done like a billion of them. Here's your agenda. Here are the top. He was really smart about the topic. And I said, so this is what you should do. He says, okay, great. And he's 10 minutes in and somebody raises 
hand and goes, I got a question about this. He says, no, I'm taking questions at the end. And he just hammers the guy <laughs> with this brush off like thing. And the place was a tomb for the next 20 minutes. Oh, it was yeah. a 30 minute briefing. And then he says, okay, time for questions. And they all stared at him. And then he looked at me and said, I must've done great. And I'm just like head in my hands, like, oh my God, I've created a monster. Don't use the in Q and A to defer questions. People are going to forget them. They're going to abandon them. Q&A at the end, it suggests, frankly, if you defer questions during, that you're unconfident, that you have to have, you have to stick with your memorized script and a question will take you off script and you won't be able to get back on script. The beauty of the open Q&A is if you've taken questions during, you may not have many at the end and so you'll finish early. And it also leaves time for you to say, you know what, Bob, that's a great question. And I'm going to throw that into the Q&A at the end. It becomes like a parking lot. And then often Bob's like, you know, I really already covered it. If I'm the only questioner, I'll stick around afterwards and we can let everybody else go. If it happens at the end and the briefing's done, people are less motivated to ask the question. And there are people who will ask questions in the middle of a briefing just to take you off track, just to be ornery, just to right. be contentious. And you know what? That's not a professional way to be. If you're asking this question just to make a point, that's not how the organization yeah. works. Not how my organization and, works. And we didn't say it specifically, but in this briefing, it'd be a great idea to have the parking lot up on the wall, to use the idea of a parking yeah. lot. So if somebody has a question that you have to defer for whatever reason, you put it up in the parking lot and everybody knows, hey, we're going to get to that. Right, Versus, exactly. you know, we'll get to that at the end. Right. And people are going like, yeah, yeah right, right well, sure. Yeah. yeah. And look, some people are going to be argumentative. Why not find out who the jerks are early on and then make them delay their questions or make them delay their contention with you until the end. And then they'll discover probably they don't have a lot of energy. They're worried. They're selfish. Let them show themselves better for you to know that sooner rather than later, rather than saying no questions until the end. And then everybody just sit and stare at you. Yeah. That's it. Pretty straightforward. One briefer, 45 minutes, the five minute welcome, 10 minute process overview, 15 minutes on the form and 15 minutes open Q and a, and you'll probably finish early. It's simple. It's quick. You can repeat it for the rest of your career. It's our kind of manager tool. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you. You bet, partner. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, check out the discussion forums, www.manager-tools.com forward slash forums. We'll see you there. So long. So long.